This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is how legends are made. This is something that we'll remember for a lifetime. It could be one of the greatest stories in the history of college football. So proud of this group for what they've been able to accomplish and going undefeated and winning the national Congratulations, certain in order, certainly in order this afternoon for the Alabama Crimson Tide National Champions for the sixth time since Nick Saban took over in Tuscaloosa. I'm Wendy Nix with Tom Luganville, Greg McElroy, and David Pollock. Let's look at how it all played out last night as we take a look at Monday night's championship game by the numbers. The Tide, their sixth national championship over the last 12 seasons, the shortest span to win six titles in the AP poll era. And as for the head coach, he won his seventh national championship, passing Bear Bryant for the most in major college football history. That says something. And Alabama's offense recorded an offensive efficiency of 98.1, the highest by any FBS season in a season since the metric was first tracked in 2004. As you might imagine, they're feeling pretty good in Tuscaloosa, Alabama this afternoon. Here the headline of the Tuscaloosa News title wave, and it's certainly been that for Alabama since Nick Saban uh, took over. Listen, David, the question here, though, it almost seemed lopsided from the start last night. What happened, certainly from the perspective of Ohio State? Alabama suited up and played the game. I mean, <laughs> I don't know that, uh, you know, you can put your finger on anything except for Alabama's offense is, is so good that you got no answers, not even close to having an answer I mean, just and just think about this offense and how much we brag on it. Like, Landon Dickerson's the best center in the country. He didn't play. Jalen Waddle was limping around on the field. He was out there, but he wasn't really playing effectively either. Just, it's amazing. It's amazing how efficient they've been. So, Ohio State didn't have a chance. Um, they couldn't do anything correctly. But, you know, Lugs, I'll say this too. Trey Sermon getting hurt on the first play, it, it couldn't have started any worse when your bell cow that you've been riding the last, you know, three games to historic numbers is out after one play. Yeah, and clearly what we saw in the first quarter was that field goals were not going to win this game. We saw Alabama in the red zone, and then we saw this sequence in the second quarter. It's third and 13. It's 21 to 14. Justin Fields throws this football. Then you get the targeting call on Jordan Battles. So now you're inside the five-yard line. you got four downs. And the very first play after this is an easy throw to the back of the end zone to Garrett Wilson, and they miss it, settle for three. 
Now you're no longer holding volley, and it was over, Greg. And I think that play, that sequence, took some wind out of Ohio State's sail. Without question, and he was really inaccurate, not just on that throw, but a throw yeah. a few plays later when he was a little high to the tight end. So I think it really went wrong for Ohio State in their week leading up from a preparation standpoint. Their defensive production and really their defensive approach was absolutely horrendous. And I'm not trying to say you need to reinvent the wheel leading up to the national championship game. You dance with who brung you. You're going to play four down defensive linemen and three linebackers. That's who you are. But you can't do that against Alabama. Alabama is going to force you into nickel. And right now, we saw over and over and over again, Ohio State line up in regular personnel defensively, and Alabama turned it into a track meet, and therefore Ohio State with their linebackers on the field couldn't keep up. I thought it was a horrible defensive plan, Tom, from Ohio State from start to finish. Could not agree with you more. Offensive football is about creating matchups, right? Ohio State created the matchup for Alabama on almost every snap. It was head-scratching, the approach they took going into this game. I, I'm still trying to figure out what the, the thinking and the thought process was during the week because, wow, what a mismatch they put themselves in. Well, and we talked about the ability to get off to a fast start or at least keep Alabama from a fast start. And, and to that point, I think David said it couldn't have started any worse for Ohio State, and then it went from there. Uh, you heard Nick Saban say how proud he was of this team. Understandably, they do finish the regular season undefeated and then cap it off with a national title. That has prompted some to claim this Tide team is the best that ever was. I, I think we're the best team to ever play. I mean, there's no team that will ever play. Uh, SEC schedule like that again. To me, I agree with him. Yes, we really is the best team because we worked hard. We um we didn't hear the outside noise. We ignored the COVID stuff, and we just worked hard together. Like we really like just grinded out with this camp, um, scrimmages, and everything. Even the first game, we were just grinding. So, yeah, I believe we is we is the best team. Yes, sir. Well, to Christian's point, a lot of those tied teams have have grind have grounded out, I should say, Greg, certainly the one you were on as well. Having said that, you know, I'll, I'll just ask it simply. Is this the best tied team Nick Saban has coached? Probably, yes, especially with what they can do offensively. Well, I'm not going to argue against that point. Probably, yes. I mean, I'm not going to argue because uh, right now what maybe. they're doing offensively <laughs> in today's day and age in college football with all the rules – that are lenient towards the offense, then yeah, I think that they are perfectly suited to attack. However, their defense has been a liability at times this year. They improved over the course of the season. They've been incredibly good, really, at times. However, we had the Ole Miss game. We saw the Florida game, even at times giving up some big plays against Ohio State. So I think this team offensively, without question, the best Nick Saban's had, and it's not even close. But defensively, they might not even be in the top half when taking into account some of the great defense Nick Saban's coached in Tuscaloosa. I agree with the defensive side and agree with the offensive side. And, and a lot of this has to do with going back to what you well, – listen, before we even go to that down that rabbit hole, I want to answer this first. I think it is the most complete dominating side of the football that we've seen in a year. And this is what's hard to do. How do we, how do we measure Alabama versus LSU a year ago? Like – 
I, I look at them, those <laughs> matchups. It would just be fun to, to play. But that offense was unstoppable for LSU. And we were like, we'd never see that again. And now we see Alabama. And, and not having Jalen Waddle, it's just it's 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 an embarrassment of riches. It's an embarrassment of coaching. It's a coaching clinic um, for Sark and for Saban. So one of the best coaching jobs I've seen from Alabama and Nick Saban. But it, it's getting hard, Tom, to measure yeah. what team is the greatest because all they do is just keep winning national championships, and everybody else is kind of like, hey, we we play too, but just not like them. Yeah, you know, I, I'll tell you, maybe it's not the best best in every facet. I agree with both you and Greg, but it might be Nick Saban's favorite team. I mean, how often have we heard him heap public praise on his football team, particularly during the season? I, I think that he looks at this team and he says, okay, we've got great chemistry. We've got great camaraderie. We have a, a, a love of brotherhood. We have the ultimate sacrificers on this team. I mean, th this team, for the most part, was COVID-free, by and large, for the majority of the year. That's a credit to what the kids are doing outside of the building. And I think that there's an appreciation for that on behalf of Nick Saban, maybe more so than any other component of this football team. Luke's, I would agree. And uh, you know what? If you're, Nick if you're Nick Saban's favorite team, that says something because he's not one to heap a lot of praise on any team. Greg, you know that, I'm sure, pretty well. Uh, but listen, they've earned it. Let's take a look at our Lexus Impact players. Uh, we talked about the star power of Alabama heading into this game, and look, it, was, it lived up to the hype. Uh, the stars showed up. Mac Jones completed 80% of his passes, threw for five touchdowns, while Devontae Smith had over 200 yards, receiving all of which, by the way, came in the first half. And on top of that, Najee Harris scored three touchdowns himself. So the big names certainly came up with big plays on the biggest stage. A tough night for Ohio State. Uh, where do you go from here in terms of what you can take and what you learn from that loss? Because this is a, a big-time program, and the Buckeyes will be back. There's no question about that. And I, I think sometimes, as a, as, a, as a football coach and as a team, getting your tail whipped is a lot easier to deal with than losing on the last play of the game. You look at it, you have a different perspective, you come away from it, you say, you know what, we just didn't play very good. They were flat better than we were in every facet of the game. I don't think there's this huge talent discrepancy that we're talking about. There was an execution discrepancy, without question. And I, I still think that Ohio State and Ryan Day, Greg, they'll go back to the drawing board. They'll conti con uh, continue to have great players come into the program. They'll develop them then uh, throughout the next couple of years. And you know what? We're going to see them back in the college football playoff over the next couple of years. Yeah, they're, they're not going anywhere, but no. they need to figure out a way to be more multiple and flexible defensively. That's really where, it, where the biggest separation was yesterday. You have run-stopping linebackers, three or four excellent <laughs> run-stopping linebackers that are remarkably physical, that will hit you, and you don't want to find them in a back alley. You have some really disruptive defensive linemen. But you got to be able to go to nickel. you got to be able to go to dime. And in the Big Ten, that's a league that's really predicated on running the football and being physical. However, and we've known this for a very long time, there aren't a lot of teams in the Big Ten they are going to throw for 400 yards a game. You have to, if you're going to chase championships, be able to play against the teams that want to pound you at the line of scrimmage and against the teams that want to air it out vertically. Clearly, both Indiana and Alabama taught Ohio State a lesson. They can't cover anybody. And they got to figure that out here very, very soon, or else it could become problematic for them when they get a chance to play against these high-powered offenses again. 
David, Ryan Day had a chance to become just the seventh head coach to win a national title in his second season. Uh, so his impact in Columbus has already been felt. But how's he get over the hump and ultimately win another championship in Ohio State? Well, the good thing is Nick's almost 70, so he waits for Nick Saban to retire. And then he's, he's going to be able to have an opportunity <laughs> to get a championship. I mean, listen, there's a lot of great coaches in college football right now that – whether it's him or Lincoln Riley or Kirby Smart or all these guys that have been knocking on the door, but they got to go through the door with the best coach of all time. You were born at the wrong time, okay? You're in the wrong era. It's, it's Nick Saban's era, and Dabo Sweeney's jumped up and gotten a couple, uh, but everybody else has kind of just been fighting when they can get one here or there. So I, I think Ryan Day and them will be back. In 2017, guys, Urban Meyer got his, blor- his doors blown off of him, 31 to nothing by Clemson. What happened? He went out and got Ryan Day. Ryan Day can also go out and make changes as well to his staff, and I wouldn't be surprised if that happens And there's on the defensive side of the ball specifically. All right, even Nick Saban can't coach forever, I, I don't think. Although if anybody can, he, he might be the one to Who do knows? it. Uh, still to come on College Football <laughs> Live is championship number seven. Six of those for Saban have come with Alabama. Is, does, it, does it get any better? Uh, and plus, what a night for his star receiver. College Football Live is brought to you by Tostitos. Get to the good stuff. Scenes from Miami and this, the scene on the Birmingham News this morning, devastating. A reference, of course, to Devontae Smith and the tremendous impact he had. And he was devastating, although his damage came in the first half. 12 catches, 215 receiving yards, and three touchdowns. His 12 catches, the most of any player in a BCS or CFP title game. He set three SEC records, most receiving yards in a season, most receiving touchdowns in a season, and most career receiving yards. And as we mentioned, he missed most of the second half with an injury. Imagine what it could have done if he played the whole game. He is also, of course, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. David, where does this rank in terms of all-time playoff performances? I mean, you got to put it at the top because of what you just said. In BCS games and obviously in championship games, it's the best ever. He did it in a half, and he just won the Heisman. It ain't like people didn't know that. Like, you didn't know that six wasn't good, but just plays on another level, and he shows you catching it short, and he shows you catching contested passes, and he showed you the RPOs. He just, he's too dynamic. Him paired with Sark has been an illegal combination, and um, so I, I put it up there at the top. It's the top, it's the top performance that I've seen. I mean, he just obliterated Ohio State in the first half, and then if he didn't get his finger hurt, he might have had 430, Luke, so who knows? <laughs> yeah, listen, I was trying to think <laughs> of true. just top-level performances. Um, Vince Young came to mind in, in the game versus USC would be one that comes to mind. Outside of that, you know, the, the impact that this kid has had on the game in every facet, the return game, he can line up to the X, he can line up at the Z, he can line up in the slot, all right? How he affects the defense when he's not intended to be the primary target. And then when he gets the ball vertically, like you said, David, or underneath, he turns everything into a touchdown. Lots of guys catch the underneath throw, and then they get tackled. That's the difference between him and everybody else. And you're right, that, that might have been, been a 21-catch day for him. 
Yeah, the, the line was good for a full game, and it was just a half. And, and, and by no means do we take credit away from the tremendous athlete he is. But is he even better, and David references Greg, because of that pairing with Sark and the position he was put in, not only last night but this season, to make things happen? Well, they need to take Sarkeesian's offensive plan from last night and put it in the Smithsonian. It was amazing. It, it really was. The way he was able to create additional separation – just by pre-snap movement or alignment, and then create favorable matchups for his best weapon. It was remarkable. The misdirection. I mean, Ohio State was like three steps behind Steve Sarkeesian throughout the entire game. He had the answers even before Ohio State dictated the terms. For instance, the best example is when he threw the back touchdown to Najee Harris. They blitzed mm -hmm. off the left, and Mac Jones got hit, and he fumbled. They bring the exact same blitz on the next drive, and same guess blitz. what? He's got an adjustment, and he throws a touchdown to Najee Harris. It was just yeah. remarkable the way he was able to adjust and create opportunities for his playmakers like Devontae Smith. Greg, it wasn't this it week's plan. It was every plan throughout <laughs> every game this season. The whole season should go in the Smithsonian. It was, it was an effective pairing, there's no question. And last night was a clinic. And unfortunately for Ohio State, it started really with Alabama's first possession. Let's switch gears now back to Nick Saban because, again, what he's done has been tremendous. Seven national titles, six with Alabama. And through his first 14 seasons there, he's won more SEC and national titles than the other famous Alabama coach, the coach, Bear Bryant. Here's Reese Davis with Nick Saban. Alabama does it. Ten regular season SEC wins. An SEC championship, a Rose Bowl championship, and national championship. Absolute perfection. How would you assess the claim that this might be the greatest team of all time? When you say greatest team, that, that doesn't necessarily, to me, resonate that they are the best team of all time. That's, not, that's probably for somebody else to decide. But I do think when it comes to what makes a team a team, uh, everybody being together as a group, everybody being positive, this is the greatest team from that standpoint. There may be some other team that was more talented, uh, had better players, but this was the best together team uh, that I've seen for a long time. You've used ultimate team together special for this group. How did that develop? I actually think that um, because this year was so different that it actually made our team closer. When you take something away, uh, I think you have a much greater appreciation when you get it back. So I think the players had a greater appreciation for the relationships and I think they had a better appreciation for the team and the goals that the team had and everybody's commitment to trying to do it. So I actually think that a lot of these disruptions actually made our team closer. What is the most important legacy a coach can establish? I always think it's, you know, what the players that played for them say about them, the lessons that they learned. To be at Alabama and to hear all the players that come back that played for Coach Bryant and how they all talk about the lessons that they learned uh, from being a part of his teams, you know, that helped them be more successful in life. That's the ultimate legacy uh, that any coach could have is, 
how he impacted the players that he coached. And when they talk about it for years to come, uh, I think that's proof in the pudding. What's the most significant thing a player has come back recently and said to you about the impact you've had on them? Uh, <laughs> most of them say, I wish we wouldn't condition so much, or why do we have such a tough off-season program? But, um, you know, just, just a guy coming back and saying, I appreciate you. I appreciate what you did for me. Um, you helped me be a better man. Uh, those are the types of things that I love to hear from players, and it uh, doesn't happen all the time, but um, we've had a, you know, quite a few players that appreciate the opportunity that they had at Alabama to develop and have a better chance to be successful in life. 69 years young, the debate about Nick Saban's legacy will continue for quite some time, but he's got a lot more football left. As we take a look at our Progressive Bowl Challenge Cup, the Big 12 finished a perfect 5-0 this bowl season, and that matches the best record by a conference in a single bowl season. More College Football Live coming up right after this. This should be a great Big Ten SEC Tuesday college basketball doubleheader on ESPN and the app. Number nine, Wisconsin, facing number seven and undefeated Michigan at 7 Eastern. And then a battle between the top teams in the SEC as Kentucky hosts Alabama, home to the new national champions at 9 o'clock Eastern. Greg, listen, I, you know, it's sort of silly to ask it this way because I guess he wins more games. But where does Nick Saban go from here? <laughs> I think he's probably already making phone calls. He's probably already getting ready for 2021. He's a guy that was mad that the playoff was scheduled when it was because it ate into valuable recruiting time. The guy doesn't waste time. He doesn't celebrate. He doesn't have the 24-hour rule like the rest of us. So I would imagine he's hitting the pen to paper trying to prepare for next year already. Which is insane. But you, I watched the celebration on the field last night, and it was like, this is kind of what we do kind of business you know this is this is this is kind of who we are what we are and that's what Nick is I mean just I love the process that he puts all of his players through and he gives very detailed uh, notes to every guy in the offseason like hey you need to work on this you need to work on this if you want to take your game to the next level do this so he's probably going through the tape and going okay let's start making our list and um, you know I might be the greatest of all time but let's start worrying about the next championship you know what David I think is his his greatest trait above all else is his ability to get young people to perform to a standard when everybody's patting them on the back, telling them how good they are. That is very difficult to do. It's extremely difficult, and every single player that has played for Nick Saban for at least three seasons has won a national title. Think about that. And you talk about recruiting, Greg. Do you need anything else? You just simply walk in, you say that, and I feel like uh, you can walk out. He deserves the 24-year rule. Forget 24 hours to celebrate. We'll be back in 24 hours. See you tomorrow.